So as as you grew up in Palestine, you you were born in that situation. So it's not that you see it so great until you leave, until you leave, because you're so used to it as a young kid. You know what's going on, um, and as a, as a kid, you ask, when's this gonna end? That they're in the wrong because they're trying to stop it. They're trying to stop this criticism. And so if you can't attack the message, we we have a great you know saying: if you can't attack the message, you attack the messenger. You are listening to Interactive, a podcast by Unite that aims to amplify diverse perspectives and encourage a welcoming and empathetic environment on the campus of IIT. I am your host, Hugh and I'm excited to have you with me through these conversations. Welcome back to another episode of Interactive. As you know, Interactive is a podcast where we explore different perspectives, especially from students at IIT. And in this episode, we are going to explore the perspective of Hammam. He is a student at IIT and also a member of Students for Justice in Palestine, also known as SJP. He's going to talk to us about his experience growing up in a refugee camp in Palestine, and also his lived experience as a Palestinian in the UK and in the US. I grew up in Vietnam and I go to college in the US. And that is the combination of very poor media coverage on this topic. So I don't know much about this issue. So during this episode, you may see that I stutter a lot and I'm a little uncomfortable and overwhelmed with the amount of information coming my way. It wasn't because I went into it not knowing anything about this topic but listening to a personal story hits much different from just reading about the history and the statistics on the media and of course this topic on the settlement forces in palestine definitely cannot be covered in just one episode of this podcast so if you would like to learn more about this please make sure to check out the resources in the description of this episode and also follow SJP on Instagram and join their events to learn more about this. With no further ado, everyone, meet Hamam and Hamam meet everyone. Uh, my name is Hamam Ziada. Uh, I'm the vice president of uh, of SJP. So uh, basically, first of all, I'd like to thank you for uh, having us uh, on your night. Um, it's a pleasure for us because we'd like to get more students uh, involved with SJP, and we want more students to know about the Palestinian cause and and support it um, because it means so much to us. Thank you, uh, and I'm very happy to have you on the podcast too. So thank you for taking the time today. Before we jump into our discussions, I just want to get some some terms correct. Uh, firstly, is SJP? Uh, what is it short for? Yeah, Students for Justice in Palestine. And I know that SJP's mission is vocalizing and supporting the the support for pal- Palestinians. Um, how would you call the cause that you're fighting for? Like, what term would you use? So uh, I, when we refer to 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 the cause in Palestine, to what we're fighting, we we refer to them as you know occupation or occupation forces. Uh, I think you're getting uh, the uh, the phrase uh, 
the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. Um, you know, that phrase we don't use um, or we don't like to use uh, because it does portray that there are two sides of this, uh, you know, this thing. Uh, the Palestinians are attacking the Israelis, the Israelis are attacking the Palestinians and both should just settle it out. And um, But it's not like that. Um, you know, um, they, they're built on, a, on, a, on an ideology called Zionism, uh, which is a settler colonialist idea where they came in, um, they took over Palestinian land, uh, killed Palestinians, made them go live in different places, in refugee camps in terrible conditions. And so for us, it's a matter of a thief that came into the country. And us fighting back does not mean that we're in, in the wrong. You know, uh, resistance has existed in the past and it exists with us too. Yeah, thank you for that um, clarification. And now we will be referring to it as de-occupation. Would you mind sharing about um, SJP's mission and you know what what are you guys doing regarding yeah. it? Yeah, um, so uh, Students for Justice in Palestine, uh, it's an organization aimed at like spreading awareness of the Palestinian cause. And so increasing uh, university students' support for the situation. Um, we do a lot of things, um, you know, as, as SJP to try and support uh, the Palestinian cause. We have uh, cultural events. I'm not sure if you've heard of our event PalFest. Um, it goes on every spring semester. It's, you know, we bring uh, uh, traditional dances. It's called Debke. And we bring food, singers and poets uh, alongside each other. And so we create, uh, you know, a really great uh, environment for people to get to know uh, about Palestine, um, you know, a lot more uh, as a whole. And uh, that's pretty much the essence of, of SJP, to increase uh, youth support for, for Palestine and the Palestinian cause and, uh, you know, uh, spread awareness. Um, one of your activities is the cultural fair of Palestine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When does that usually happen during the spring? Uh, it happens around April. Um, but obviously the past year, you know, with the corona situation, uh, we weren't able to to take it forward. Uh, you know, they've done it in the past. I think we've done it three times. Uh, yeah, it went well. Uh, we had uh, a lot of, uh, people attending. Uh, I think the last time was about 300 people, but we do a lot more, you know, we, um, we schedule, we make breakfasts and things like that. We talk about, uh, current events in, in Palestine at the same time. And yeah, it's, uh. You know, we're, we're passionate about this organization. It's a cause that, that is built within us as Palestinians and, you know, other than Palestinians, um, every kind of human, you know, um, Arabs and the Muslims and, you know, the, the Christians and everyone who cares about humanitarian causes. So um, SGP is a student organization in the U.S. How are you supporting this cause from far away? We, uh, we do a lot of uh, protests. So we create like events on and off campus uh, to teach people about the issue. Uh, we speak to government officials uh, like senators, uh, congressmen, congresswomen um, to try and get, uh, you know, support for the Palestinian cause. Um, I don't know if you've heard of um, an organization, a lobby in America called APAC. Um, they are they're an Israeli lobby in America and um they uh, they try and lobbying in America is, is you know very um, popular. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the gun association, the uh, NRA, um, they have a lobby too. Um, and basically, what they do is that they pay they pay congressmen congresswomen to to for the um, you know to run for the position in government, uh, you know, in in return of supporting their cause, and that's what they do. 
Um, and so, and, you know, to get back at that so that, you know, we have a, our saying as well, we try to uh, go ahead and inform senators that, you know, uh, the side that they teach you is completely immoral and uh, completely wrong and that they try to drive people with uh, with money. So that's, that's you know, uh, one main point. And other points is that um, whenever a great event happens, something like uh, when Trump changed the uh, the embassy, the Israeli embassy moved it to Jerusalem. Uh, that was kind of a big move for for Israel, um, and it was uh, an immoral move by Trump. Uh, it was kind of a strategic move to to greater the ties between between them and Israel. But they gave no um, you know uh, no crap about the Palestinians, to be honest. Um, so the the Jerusalem move, this this movement of the embassy, Jerusalem is the main city in Palestine. Uh, we regard as our capital and they regard as their capital. So to move the U.S. embassy for Israel into Jerusalem and not move the Palestinian one um, uh, was kind of a move to say America recognizes Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, which it does right now, you know, recognizes it after tr- what Trump did. Um, it just shows that, uh, you know, the U.S. as a, as a, as a mother super country, uh, they didn't really, uh, you know, they didn't take into account our side. Of, of the view and uh, certainly wasn't fair. Yeah, and so we went ahead and protested that. We, you know, we gave events, lectures, we spoke to to, to different people about it. And, uh, you know, there's only so much you can do as uh, uh, from, you know, from a foreign ground, having no money and no real power, but we try to do our most, yeah. So far, like, well, with your activities in SJP, can you name, like, some difficulties that you have faced? You know, for us uh, as uh, IIT SJP, um, there isn't, there is, we do a lot of, we are, we're pretty active on it. We, uh, we do a lot of GBMs. Uh, most of it, you know, in terms of wins and difficulties and all that, um, I would say um, they were very beneficial, very good, very successful. Uh, but if if I may say, like, um, the difficulties as SGP as a whole, uh, and other universities, even people in IIT, um, you know, there, were, there are a lot of difficulties. You do get a lot of backlash. Um, you know, uh, it, there's, um, Israel and its supporters uh, in America and out are starting to call uh, the criticism of Israel as a, as a, you know, a country or a government, which you're allowed to criticize. Uh, in this country, you're, you, it's free speech. You're allowed to criticize, you know, any idea that you, you're not, uh, you know, you're not in line with. Um, you know, they're starting to call it anti-Semitic. Uh, they're starting to try and paint that picture that um, the Palestinians or you know the Arabs or whoever it is that's criticizing Israel is all of a sudden anti-Jewish, uh, which is not true because we have a lot of Jewish supporters, such as the Jewish Voice for Peace, which are you know a leftist uh, movement. Uh, to try and create, uh, you know, peace in the region. And they believe in the Palestinian cause too, but they're Jewish. And they have a lot of support around, um, as well as, uh, you know, Orthodox communities, you know, from, from the right spectrum of uh, in politics to the left one, uh, we have great support. Um, the right one is uh, is an organization called, or, you know, a group called the Naturi Carta. They're very Orthodox uh, Jewish community. So you can see that both spectrums uh, have a support for Palestine. And actually, they call what Israel did immoral immoral and unjust and uh, when when I lived in England for a while I lived in England for about six years and every time we protested over in England um, about half of the protesters would be um, the Naturi Carter 
um, so Jewish uh, protesters. Um, and uh, it just shows that uh, anti-Semitism and uh, anti-Zionism are not the same thing. Uh, we're not anti-Semitic, you know, because we have nothing wrong. We, we don't see anything wrong with, uh, with the Jewish people or, you know, or Judaism as a whole. Uh, but we are anti-Zionist. Uh, um, and, uh, and that's the thing that we'll, we'll keep staying regardless of anyone, uh, you know, whatever they say. Um, they do try in outside, not in IITs, SJP, there isn't really that much uh, going on uh, for them. They, they're not really that active on, on university. But outside of it, they, um, like in UIC or uh, Purdue, or you know Benedictine, whoever you know, whichever university it is, they they uh, they tend to take uh, notes of what happens um, during these Palestinian events, and they take words out of context that the Palestinians have said, and they put them on a website called Canary Mission. Have you heard of it before? No, I Canary have Mission. not. You know this website is crazy. Um, they they go ahead and they put uh, students' names on there, and they call them terrorists. And they say uh, these people are terrorist supporters and they put uh, tweets and saying sometimes recordings, uh, photos of them without their permission. Not until recently did they know who the owners were um, in a leak, you know, in a documentary uh, in which, you know, a spy for one of the Arab news agencies went and went into the secret meetings. And, uh, you know, he got the answers out of them that they were uh, trying to stop student activism for Palestine in campuses. And he got out of them as well that um, they've been using the words anti-Semitic uh, to try and stop people uh, from, uh, you know, going against or criticizing Israel. You brought a very interesting point because, mm -hmm. like, if people who want to support the Palestinians and they mm -hmm. think that this that their support is anti-Semitic, they may be more hesitant to support the cause. So yeah. yeah. Thank you for yeah. no, that clarification. Yeah, they, they, they honestly can be very hesitant. Um, uh, the website itself, the website itself that I'm talking about, um, you know, became famous between us as Palestinians in the US. Um, something that many are, are you know, um, understandably uh, afraid of. I'm not personally. Um, but, uh, you know, it can ruin a person's life. They have a, a, a great SEO, which means that they, they appear on, when you search someone's name on Google, you know how maybe your LinkedIn comes up or, you know, Facebook or Instagram? For them, uh, you know, Canary Mission goes above all of that. Sometimes it comes up the first link and it says this person is a terrorist, this person is this, this person is that. I know people that got fired from their jobs. I know people that haven't uh, been able to get a job because once you search up their name, it says terrorist. And so the companies won't take them. And uh, this is something that people tried to go to court for and they haven't won. They haven't won because uh, there's, you know, there's, uh, they do have... Uh, a team that, that handles all of that. They've taken all that into consideration. And uh, um, although it is unfortunate that we're going through this, it doesn't, you know, I'll say that it doesn't stop us as, as Palestinians and we'll still encourage people to come. And above all that, it actually shows that they're in the wrong because they're trying to stop it. They're trying to stop this criticism. And so if you can't attack the message, we, we have a great, you know, saying, if you can't attack the message, you attack the messenger, the person who, the person who said it. So um, they know they know that Israel has humanitarian issues against it. Um, it's, it's recorded videos of them shooting uh, kids and, and, and men, women, um, without any justification. In, in Gaza, when they used to go to war, most of the casualties used to be civilians. And they used to say that, uh, you know, an organization there called Hamas, they used to say that 
uh, you know, Israel is to say that they use human shields and they had absolutely no evidence of that. It is quite uh, unbelievable uh, the extent to which they go to to uh, to try and stop us. You mentioned like the videos on the internet, like going around of Israeli soldiers shooting mm-hmm. innocent people, and mm-hmm. I did see like those videos. And I know that like you lived in Palestine for about ten years. Do you see that your experience living there connect with what the media portrayed? What the media in the U.S. absolutely not, a hundred percent not. Uh, they don't see the struggles that the Palestinians have gone through. I'll tell you, I, I lived the first 10 years of my life in Palestine. So as as you grow up in Palestine, you you were born in that situation. So it's not that you see it so great until you leave, until you leave, because you're so used to it as a young kid. Definitely there were traumatic moments. And so I'll tell you, for example, um, I lived in a refugee camp in Palestine. Um, it was originally, you know, they originally people went there um, because they were kicked out of their lands, and they were always they were always expecting to come back. But uh, you know, they year after year they 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 didn't go back to their homes, so they started building buildings, you know, houses and everything. And it's not you know nice houses; it's still terrible conditions in those refugee camps. You, uh, as a young kid uh, who grew up there, um, you definitely have moments where. You know, when the army comes into the refugee camp, for example, which happens on a nearly a daily basis in, in the one that I live to. It's it's called Kalendia Refugee Camp. And so what they used to do is that um, they go in, uh, they have a clash with the, with the youth over the, the youth throw stones and the army is trying to arrest someone and they end up killing a few people. And it happened on multiple occasions that they go ahead and raid houses. Um, and, you know, as, as a kid, you know, that's an experience that no one wants to go through. To see a gun pointed at you or at your father or mother, you know that's something uh, that that no kid deserves to see. You know, hearing that knock on your window and someone saying, "I'll smash the door in," it's not a fun experience at all, and it shows the brutality of the so-called defense army, which is in actual sense an offense force, an occupation force that uh, you know has to uh, be dealt with. A lot of what goes on in uh, the Israeli side is that they try to uh, play the victim card compared to the Palestinians. Um, they always so you you'll hear them say, uh, you know, Palestinians threw rockets uh, at Israel. Um, let's say let's say for example that the Palestinians did throw rockets at Israel, and you know let's say organizations like Hamas did. Uh, these these rockets are like fireworks. You know, they they don't land, they don't do any damage. So the 48 or 50 rockets that come from Gaza, uh, which is the western part of Palestine, they're nothing compared to the F-16 bombs that land in civilians' heads and they destroy buildings and they put hundreds of thousands of people homeless. Or not homeless, out on the streets and other people have to take them in. And, uh, you know, it's not not comparable. So they do try to take uh, points like that. Um, I remember... um, I remember this thing in, in, in Palestine where they came in once um, and uh, we were young kids and uh, I, uh, we hear uh, gunshots and everyone wakes up, you know, our family, uh, you know, my, uh, my uncles and aunties because we all live in, oh, my uncles because we all live in one building. Um, they wake up and they're like, what's going on? And it turns out that down in the street there were clashes and they end up killing three people and two of them which we know. You know, we know their families, we know the people themselves. You know what's going on, um, and as a, as a kid, you ask, "When's this going to end?" Unfortunately, it's been going on for you know over seventy years, 
hopefully there will be a solution soon, but there's definitely no justice served and, uh, and Israel doesn't see its fault. They don't see their faults as, as Zionist. So, yeah. And thank you for sharing that. So you said that you grew up in a refugee camp. What's the refugee camp like established by the Israeli people, mm-hmm. like the soldiers or the army? So, so the refugee camp isn't, um, it, it was, it was points at which uh, whoever's fleeing the, the villages. So for example, my family fled from a village called Saris. They used to have a farm and, and animals and uh, wells. And for them, that's, you know, that's pretty wealthy because at the time, Palestine was agricultural. So when they came to the refugee camps and, uh, you know, it was, it was tents, you know, it's not set up by the Israeli army. Um, but there were there were humanitarian organizations that came in to kind of aid. But these, these refugee camps that we're talking about are pretty lawless. Um, in the fact that, um, as I said, buildings, they, they look like the favelas in, in Rio, uh, in, in Brazil. You know, you see those on top of the mountain, those, those poor areas where electricity is not done by professionals, but by, you know, people who know about electricity. Um, you know, they kind of route the water from the main lines and everything like that. It's the same exact view uh, of, uh, you know, of what happens. And uh, um, it's unfortunate. There are many of them in Palestine and there are many of them in Lebanon and Syria. Uh, there are Palestinian refugees, uh, refugee camps as well. And they are in terrible conditions. And while, let me tell you something. So whoever's, whoever's uh, Jewish by mother uh, has supposedly the birthright um, to, to have a citizenship for Israel. So they'll give them a citizenship in the airport, genuinely. But the refugees, for some reason, are not allowed to go back to their homes, which is a, a hypocritical statement right there. The, the refugees are not allowed to come uh, to go back to their homes. They're living in terrible conditions, while others can just come uh, come back in. I don't know of a single country in the world that will take you in because of your religion, because you're just born. It doesn't make sense. It's not a thing that that uh, you know that anyone takes into account. Like this makes sense. Not the United Nations, not the USA, not anyone. And uh, you, there is an organization. I don't know if you know, in IIT and other campuses. It's called Hillel. Um, it's an Israeli organization. And they 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 kind of advertise this thing, the birthright, which is supposedly the birthright of Jews um, to go ahead and like live in Israel, know about Israel, and suppose this is the it's their homeland. And these these things are just subjective kind of statements, have absolutely no agreement upon between people, and uh, and it's like uh, whoever goes against it all of a sudden becomes anti-Semitic. So. So if I go ahead, even what I'm saying right now, they'll, they'll label it as that. So I'm like, I'd be talking about my country and the fact that the, my, my people are not allowed to go back to their homes. And I meant, all of a sudden, if I mentioned the, the idea of uh, birthright as such, they, uh, they call it as anti-Semitic because they know, they know it's right, that it doesn't make sense, but they want to attack you as a messenger. They want to shut you up. And, uh, uh, but that's, you know, it's not going to happen. I'm processing information. Mm. So. I still don't understand like um, how you cannot go back to your home. So I know that the Israeli army destroyed your hometown and then you had to go to the refugee camps. And then what happens after that? Like you, you stay there? We just, yeah, our house is still in the refugee camp. Oh. They built a house over there. They built houses. So they went from tents to houses. And as I said, you know, they, they route everything from there. Uh, definitely poor areas, you know, and as much as uh, the Palestinians tried to call for, you know, the ability for the refugees to go back, it was never allowed. 
um, was never allowed. My grandparents, before they passed away, they used to always wish that, you know, one day they'll go back to where they used to live. But, it, you know, it never, never took place. And it doesn't look like it'll take place anytime soon. Um, but that's why we're fighting. We want the refugees to be able to go back. Uh, you know, my, my grandmother was older than Israel. You know, Israel is only 70-something years old, since 1948. And um, my, my grandmother was older than it. So it's not an old cause of people lived there thousands of years and, and whatnot. Uh, no, it's it, it, it's a recent event in which, uh, you know, our land was being taken. It was given, it, basically what happened in Palestine is that, you know, just to tell you a brief history on, on, on what happened, the idea of Zionism wasn't popular. It wasn't popular at all until the late uh, 19th century. There is a guy called Theodor Herzl. He's the father of Zionism. Uh, he created a book about about how he wanted to unite all all you know all Jewish people into one homeland, and to tell you that that how much the idea of Zionism wasn't there, um, they uh, they were um, thinking of going to other countries. Uh, you know, I think Uganda was one of them. Well, Argentina, Uganda, um, I believe there was talks of Madagascar and all that. But just to show you that that Palestine wasn't the main point. They did consider other countries. Um, and it just shows you that regardless of whatever happened, they were going to take someone else's, uh, someone else's land. But they thought, you know, Palestine would have ties to it. Um, it means a lot to us. And they just ended up having to, you know, to take over our land. And the, person, the people that gave it over were the, the British people, uh, you know, the, the British rule, which took Palestine after, the world, after world War I. Uh, 1917, they took over from the Ottoman Empire and they started the migration of Jews slowly to Palestine. Um, slowly, they'd hide their taxes on Palestinians, force them to sell their lands, kick them out of their lands to put settlers in. And, uh, and you know, it, it, it kind of expanded from there and the immigration started coming more. And uh, in 1917, there was a, a promise done by a guy called Lord Belfour. He was a lord in, in, in England. Uh, he had absolutely, you know, he had ties to the government, obviously. He's a, he's a government official. But he, he has no right over Palestine, as to himself. But he wrote a letter uh, saying for that he promised Palestine for the Jews, a homeland in Palestine for the Jews. Um, supposedly saying, in it, you know, not we're not going to harm the Palestinians and we're going to be fair to the Palestinians. But that, you know, at the end of the day, they're taking land uh, from Palestine. And so fast, fast forward to 1948, um, you know, after many... Uh, tragedies and massacres and everything like that, they call an independent state. It was the 15th of May, uh, 1948. Uh, so they called independence, and that was our day of what we call Nakba, which is the catastrophe, which is, uh, you know, Palestinian land was taken. That's when my, for example, my great-grandfather was killed um, because he stayed in his home, and he said, I'll fight them as they're coming. And uh, they... Uh, you know, they, they killed him and they killed his friend over him and them two are buried in the same place. But uh, yeah, it's, it, was a, it was given from those who do not deserve, from those who do not own, which are, um, you know, the Brits, to those who do not deserve, people who have no right of the country. You tell me who, who can claim that um, they, you know, that they were owners of the country from 3,000 years ago. It doesn't make sense. You know, no one will come and claim it. And the Greeks come and, can come and claim a land from 3,000 years ago. Or some other country. The whole, you know, the whole geography was different back then. 
the whole demographic, you know, everyone was in, in different places. So you can't just come and claim it like this when there are documents proving that this land is yours. So yeah, that's, that's you know, that's the main point of, of what happened. How would you describe how things have progressed? How things have progressed? So um, uh, right now it's still, it's, it's worse, I would say. It's worse. Uh, it's progressed where there are many more settlements now. The occupation has increased a lot. They made it so that the Palestinians are dependent on on the occupation. Uh, we haven't got any of our rights, and we barely control land. You know, it's not like the Palestinians control any land. Um, we have um, land A, B, and C in the West Bank. We the Palestinians are in West Bank and Gaza, and the Israelis are in every single land in, in between. But the West Bank is split into three different parts: A, B, and C. Area A is the only area that's supposedly fully controlled by Palestinians. But everyone knows that the Palestinian government is, you know, is above it, is, is controlled by, uh, you know, by Israel. The government officials from Palestine need to ask for, for permission from Israel to leave the country. I mean, how, how does that make a government? You know, how does that make, a, how, how are they going to go into an independent state like that? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen like that. And uh, so right now, the main main kind of point that people are focusing on right now is the, the vaccinations and uh, how they're not giving the Palestinians uh, vaccinations for corona. If you look, you, I mean, it won't appear in the news, obviously, because Palestine is a, you know, a place of its own and the U.S. barely really talks about um, outside affairs anyway. Palestine is now filled with corona cases. It's All the hospitals are full. My uncle just got corona and he was on a ventilator. This is, we're talking just a few days ago. And, uh, you know, this could have been, you know, the, the increasing numbers could be avoided using the, the vaccine, but they're not giving it to the Palestinians, although they have, you know, vaccinated 90% of their population. Under international law, they're supposed to handle the, you know, the people they're occupying as well, which are the, the Palestinians, but they're not doing it. They're not following international law. In fact, uh, Israel has many international law uh, human rights violations Um, but no sanction has ever been put on Israel for it. Oh, that's oh, that's so sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's quite uh, it's not something new to Palestinians. It's not like something unexpected. It's it's something that we we saw coming. To be honest, the benefit would be to to vaccinate the Palestinians as a whole. But it's kind of a it's kind of a step to humiliate the Palestinians and uh, cause more suffering. Um, you know, uh, the current government, the current Israeli government, they don't want a two-state solution. It was very apparent during the Trump administration with the, with the movement of the embassy and, and the moves they took to create more settlements. And, uh, you know, you can tell exactly that they don't mean good for the, for the Palestinians uh, in general. That is just so sad. And, like, I remember, like, seeing, like, a few weeks ago, I saw a an article about like the rate of the vaccine rollout worldwide and like Israel is at the highest rate. Yeah, Israel is probably going to be the first country to vaccinate all of its people. They already finished 90%. Um, it's probably going to go to 100, but that's talking their population, honestly. It's not talking ours as well, the Palestinian side, the West Bank side and Gaza. So, you know, that's, that's the main issue. Um, yeah. Are you okay? Hmm? Like, how are you doing with, like, all these bad news just coming at you? Um, so to be honest with you, like, um, it's something that saddens us. Uh, but we've gone a lot through a lot worse. Um, we're talking, uh, you know, the wars in Gaza, the intifadas as Palestinians, which were, you know, the uprisings, um, the first intifada and the second intifada. 
um, so it's not it's not something that it's not the worst thing that had happened. Uh, the you know the Palestinians are you know the they they resist the the occupation and they're going against it. Um, but they you know we are in need of international support. Yeah, so like that explains why like making more people aware of the issues in Palestine can gain more publicity and maybe like gain more international support. We're definitely trying to trying to gain that uh, with what we're doing. Um, it's not the fastest one, and Israel is still you know for sure times ahead of us. You know due to the funding that they that they give, and uh, you know the the events and the, that they carry out. So yeah, you know it's it's uh, the, especially the Republican Party in America is uh, very in line with Israel. Um, they don't criticize it at all, um, and uh, you know most of uh, APAC's funding goes to Republican Republican Party affiliates. Uh, so yeah, I think you gave us like a general idea of what is the occupation forces happening mm-hmm. in Palestine, and you know what SJP is doing and. Um, there are a lot more layers of information in between, and obviously, like this is not a topic that is well covered in the media, especially U.S. Mm-hmm. media. So, if someone who is completely unfamiliar with the situation and they want to know more about it, what sources of information that they can turn to? So there is a there is a few um, that I would say they can they can turn to. Um, one one main thing that I'd like to pe- people to watch is um, um, Al Jazeera, uh, which is a news channel um, in Qatar. Um, although let's say they're biased and everything like that, they made um, they made a documentary about uh, lobbyists in America. You know, our main thing is to show how you know how Israel tries to you know shut down kind of uh, every criticism of Israel because uh, you know um, kind of uh, ruin the people. Who criticizes, you know, ruined their lives. Um, there is one documentary um, on a website called the Electronic Intifada. Um, they also release news and everything like that. But um, you know that that documentary by Al Jazeera shows how um, this this uh, kind of uh, spy. I wouldn't call him a spy. He he uh, he's part of Al Jazeera. He had the camera on his uh, on his shirt, and he went into the into their meetings and everything. He built himself up to go into the private meetings and he spoke to officials from there. And he got things like, you know, uh, one of them saying that the only way to control congressmen and congresswomen is through money. Um, we're going to be using the anti-Semitic uh, label for this and this and this. Um, so he got he got things like that out of it. And it kind of shows the whole gist of, of what we're saying. You know, we're trying to cry, kind of um, cry out that that it is, you know, listen to us. Um, they're trying to change terms and uh, trying to make anti-Zionism, anti-Semitic, and all that. That documentary is really good for for anyone to watch. And I believe if we go ahead and obviously um, upload this uh, this interview, uh, we can put a link to it down possibly in the you know in the description or something. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, I do yeah. plan to do that. Also, if uh, if people follow um, SJP. Um, and uh, you know SJP news and events that would be a great way of of you know following the news when they come to our events and we explain you know what's going on um, main headlines and all that um, that's a great way of uh, of of knowing about you know the news in Palestine. Do you have any Jewish friends or Jewish acquaintances? So um, the, uh, in in America, no. 
uh, when I used to live in England, we did. We had quite a few. Um, and the people that we know were anti-Zionist. I don't tend to make Zionist Jewish friends, you know. Um, if the person happens to be a Zionist and believes in the fact that I should be kicked out of my land and uh, and, and he believes in the fact that, um, you know, uh, it's fine the way that Israel came in and killed Palestinian men, women and children. You know, that, that's not someone, someone that I would uh, hang out with at all. I definitely came across them in, in school as well, in high school. Um, and, you know, off, off and on uh, campuses. But, um, you know, would never make a, a friendship uh, with them. I, I do have uh, quite a few friends that are uh, friends and, and, and many individuals that we know from the, you know, the, from the organizations that I told you about, uh, Jewish Voice for Peace and the Torah Carter that, um, you know, that are quite close to us and, uh, you know, against Zionism and uh, for the Palestinian cause. So bringing back to IIT, like, how would you rate the students in the faculties, like, if they are aware of this issue and how much are they, you know, fumbling? I think we're spreading awareness in IIT. I think we are. Uh, we do get, um, you know, quite an audience uh, when there is uh, an event. Um, the breakfast is what we used to do. Sometimes 40, 40 people would come. Um, we once brought individuals um, to speak. Uh, from uh, AMP, which is American Muslims for Palestine. And we also brought from the Jewish Voice for Peace and other organizations. Um, we try to unite with organizations like um, African-American organizations as well, because uh, they tend to face the same kind of uh, brutality uh, from from police as we do from, uh, you know, the occupation forces in Palestine. And, uh, and yeah, so I would say in terms of IIT, we're spreading, you know, we're spreading awareness quite well. There's not much, yeah, there's not, um, there's obviously more work to do to get more people, to let people know that there's an issue, that a humanitarian issue that's worth fighting for and protesting for. You know, there's quite a bit more to do. Thank you for sharing that. And here is the last question. What advice would you give to Palestinian students in the U.S.? Palestinian students in IIT or in U.S.? In the U.S. or IIT. Is, uh, is don't be afraid. Uh, that's one. Of, of protesting, you have full right to do it uh, under U.S. law or whoever it is. Part of freedom of speech to go and um, you know, as a Palestinian, uh, you should be fighting for your cause. And yeah, uh, join SJP in your campuses. I think that would be one. And come to protests, and that should make a huge difference. Okay, thank you. Is there anything you want to add? Any last remarks? No, not really. <laughs> I think I've added in that last question. I would have. I would have added. Uh, just uh, I think one one last remark is that anyone could join SJP. It doesn't just have to be the Palestinians. It could be anyone. People in, in Palestine, in Gaza, especially in Gaza, uh, they don't have basic human rights. Uh, they don't have they they have shortage of food, um, no clean water, uh, unemployment, and all that. And coming and protesting for you know for Palestine, joining SJP to to get some form of justice, to get the to get more youth to know about to know about the issue and protest for it is, is is quite is quite important uh, for us and uh, for humanity as a whole. Thank you, and that wraps up the interview. Thank you so much for for having me, uh, you, and uh, thank you for giving us the platform to speak on. No, thank you.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Interactive. We hope that you were able to learn more about the experience of Palestinians and also the settlement in Palestine. Of course, this broad topic cannot be covered in just one episode, so if you would like to learn more about it, please make sure to check out the resources listed in the description of this episode and also follow SJP on Instagram or Facebook and go to their events so that you can learn more about this. And see you next time. Bye!